Hello fellow McClunkies and welcome to Free Blurgs and a Bounty, the only Mandalorian discussion show hosted by the Imperial Senate Podcast. I'm your host Charlie Ashby and joining me today is my fellow Bounty Hunter Guild comrade, it's the amazing, the illustrious and my dear friend Nikki Kuma. How's it going buddy? You know, not too bad, how about you? Um, yeah, I'm not part of the uh, episode 9 press tour, so everything's going good for me, personally. Amen. <laughs> Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, Although, I, I do have a few things to say about, um, okay, no, I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> Will you please relitigate your entire experience since 2015, before <laughs> yeah, this yeah. movie comes out, please? <laughs> oh dear. Um, hashtag privilege. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, you've been good. Yeah, you know, just it's a uh, it's a crazy time of the year, um, especially for anyone who works in service industry slash retail. Um, so anybody who's listening, who's in that situation, hashtag solidarity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, but it's nice to find the time to to record. So that's that's always a plus. Exactly. Yeah, pull one out for the for the retail bros. Indeed. And gals. Uh, obviously, as you can probably tell, Claire isn't with us this week because, like Nikki said, everyone's very busy and unfortunately we couldn't fit Claire in. But if you want to hear Claire's thoughts on this episode, you can by checking out Star Wars Underworld. Last week we had Dom on from that podcast and they're good friends of ours and they're just awesome. And you can hear her thoughts as she appeared in their latest episode for Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. Pew, pew, which pew. Is a, yeah, which is a really great name for a, a show not based around westerns. Never, caps letters. I did one of my favorite tweets when that episode title came out was that uh, someone said <laughs> my favorite part was when uh, all the samurais <laughs> slinging the guns. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was like, oh, that's perfect. Oh. Look, uh, we can appreciate that fandom is a mess, but we can also, you know, be hypocrites and delve into our own little pain. It's fine. You know, you gotta you gotta live a little. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta be a bit risky. Yeah. Um, speaking of risky and living a little, um, that kind of reminds me of what happened in this episode. Is you know, we've dived back into a place pretty familiar, but not also is known for a, a few different risks, like you know. Marrying a random woman that you bought from the store, like Klee Glass did. Um, 
Oh. <laughs> Can you imagine just like wheeling out? It's like, hey, you gotta live a little. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different discussion. The whole click last. Oh yeah, you can do a whole special on him. Do you think like Shmi taught Owen and Baru about like the horrors of like having a slave and her being like, hey, um. When your dad dies, even though I'm marrying him, like don't buy people. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, okay. he freed her, right? He did free her, but like, he still bought her. Is that I forget how that worked? Yeah, so he got her as a slave and then freed her. I think, or did he yeah. buy her freedom? I I don't know. Well, he was like, I, I bought you freedom. She's like, thank you, random stranger. And he's like, marry me. <laughs> it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. That's a question. I wonder, yeah, did it start with a hookup or like... <laughs> I mean, clean, clean my bathroom. It is weird when you think about it, right? Like, it's so I, weird. It's supposed to be talking about the Mandalorian. But let's, let's just I know. Let's into this for like one second. So like, did they, did they have some weird sort of like meet cute kind of thing? But like, was she a slave still? And... I don't know. There's some weird shit going on. Tatooine is a weird place. Oh, Tatooine Tinder. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, swipe right. <laughs> yeah. Moisture farmer, swipe right, and he goes onto a slave. Ooh. <laughs> Pick that. <laughs> Gardula the hut. <laughs> I like that. Oh, God. No droids. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for. No droids. <laughs> I just like woo her, but he's like he's like a really handsome bachelor. And then once the Clone Wars <laughs> happens, he just becomes ugly. Yep. Um, okay, let's just start as we do normally without jumping into the you know minutia of um, Shmi Skywalker's marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about our main thoughts on the episode. Right. Um, this was an interesting one, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. Um. I think it was one on first watch. I never I never existed in a state of like negativity towards it, but it definitely mm. made me ask questions that I hadn't or like sort of expressed doubts that I hadn't yet had in the show. Um, yeah. And it was like I like episode 4 ran the risk a little bit for me of um, feeling side questy. But then I felt like they sort of brought it back together with the, the bounty hunter in the end. And then yeah. this one felt even more side questy. Um, and it was like, it didn't quite bring that same sort of like feeling together um, as sort of the fourth one did that the season has like a clear narrative. Um, but that said, I watched it again and I actually enjoyed it a lot more. And I feel like in a vacuum, it is like a good episode. Um, but it also, um, within sort of like the context of the season, it leaves kind of, it left me sort of wondering and like scratching my head. Like it it just didn't feel like there was a solid through line of the yeah. plot. Um, and that's sort of like my general aspect of it, my general reaction. Yeah, I think I had the sort of same reaction, especially in terms of, I haven't seen it for a second time, but I watched a few like reaction videos, so 
like the idea was in my head and like you said it wasn't really like I didn't, I didn't feel like disappointment but there was a bit I hadn't felt throughout other episodes of like okay I'm just watching this it's it's fun it's entertaining but I'm not sure what else I'm getting out of it mm-hmm. um, like the references aren't really a big issue for me I know a lot of people are sort of saying oh it was a bit too much well I, I kind of get that to an extent I I didn't <clears throat> mind the references that much I'll say right off the bat like none of that bothered me yeah um, oh for sure like especially when it was when it got into the point of like even recontextualizing like the, the Tuscan Raiders is kind of like the big one mm. um, and sort of like adding this new sort of way to examine Tatooine um, I thought the cantina was great for that too <laughs> uh, yeah and yeah like yeah those things didn't bother me at all and I love that shot from the trailer of the stormtrooper helmets I thought that was that looked as good as I wanted it to. There was a really great um, point in the review, I think it was from CNET, who mentioned the fact that this is the first time we've ever seen Tatooine post-episode 6. Yeah, it's exactly. just this weird little thing where I was just like, it just hit me. I was like, oh yeah, I'm so used to like the old EU stories and stuff like that, where everything kind of feels the same. But this actually puts a stamp on the fact that things did change after the Empire were destroyed. Mm-hmm. And the huts were, you know, unceremoniously choked out. Um, so yeah, I. It's an interesting one. I had a very big um, disagreement with a few of the things that happened in the episode. I know that's a debate between a lot of people, but it's just, um, yeah, it was a beautiful episode to watch. It, um, I spoke to, I think, Steel about this, mm-hmm. um, and. He was just like, well, it's fun. And I, I agree, it, it is fun. But, like you mentioned, I am nervous about the arc of the season. I, I For some reason, I just originally thought it would be like a through line. Mm-hmm. Even some Clone War arcs, like even though they were separate, had a through line of sorts for the story of where it was going. Mm-hmm. Whereas this kind of feels a bit like the latest season of Doctor Who, which didn't have like a overarching story and mm-hmm. that was one of my biggest issues of that particular show um, right because i was so used to it having like building up to something and it's the same here where it's like okay like we've got, we're in a few episodes in and like i've enjoyed the first few episodes like how they had like, like a through line like the first arc of the mando's story those first three episodes but now it kind of just feels like a road trip and i don't know where they're going to go yeah I think that's... And, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah. And one of the things that really popped into my mind was the the notion that they're mentioning that this is going to explore the origin of the First Order. I don't even know how they're going to fit that in. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Unless it's... Yeah, sorry. Hmm. Unless it's like... I don't know. Um, Werner Herzog like, typing First Order in a computer document. <laughs> 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 this is it. This is the yeah. future. <laughs> we have used the baby Yoda's blood to create the first <laughs> order. <laughs> we uh, used all the blood to create the best computer program to come up with a great <laughs> name for the new order. <laughs> the midi chlorians. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I feel the same way. Where it's like, yeah, you would. There's certain ex not 
don't know. I, expectation is a is a double edged kind of word, right? Because it's like can be a, a good thing and a bad thing. And I feel mm. like there's there's an expectation for a show that was going to be eight episodes, episodes running about thirty five minutes, that there would be just I feel like a more targeted story, like like maybe he has to get baby Yoda somewhere, right? Instead of sort mm-hmm. of like aimlessly wandering around the galaxy. And like, I think there's still like sort of thematic elements in the past two episodes that tie into it. So like episode four was sort of proof that he can't hide because they'll still come. And this one was kind of like proof that he can't resume normal life either because that's still dangerous too. Like he can't just do jobs and leave baby Yoda in the, in the car. Yeah. Uh, So like, there's like loose thematic sort of um, like connection to still the story, but, but yeah, it's like, it just seems a little like it was, it'd be something you expect from like, um, like a, like a 20 episode kind of casual season. (laughs) Like I think about like the shows I, I, I used to watch like Buffy and Angel Mm. where like, they're long seasons, and you get these episodes that are kind of just like mm, goofy, kind of monster of the week kind of things, um, and like nothing like really too much happens in them. But they're like they're just kind of like fun stories, and I think this this season kind of felt these maybe like past two episodes have felt a little bit like that, and I think you wouldn't expect that in something that's only eight episodes long, and the episodes aren't. Like it's not like a HBO show. Like it's they're short episodes. Yeah. Like all things considered, um, for like a run of eight episode or eight episodes in one season. Um, so yeah, I think that's just kind of like it's almost like, and I, this sort of gets into when we, I guess, dig in more into like what happens with uh, Fennec Shand and Toro Calican. Like it just feels like, um, like what what kind of show is this almost? Like, is it a focused sort of like eight episode narrative or is it like kind of just be stuck with, oh, look who showed up this week kind of, kind of thing. Um, yeah. And that, I, that, I, it, that informs a lot of the way I think about like Fennec Shand and, and Tora Calican. So we can get into that later, but yeah. Um, yeah. That's sort of like the impression so far from this episode. Yeah. You made a really good point about that sort of like, you know, guest of the week, like classic eighties, um, show like the Magnum PI. <laughs> yeah, I mean Law and Order. I mean mm. Buffy. Buffy still like go back to Buffy. Like Pedro Pascal. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> connected all. He showed up and like, and it's like how many careers were launched by cameos and you know these little, these little these random episodes. But but yeah, it's uh, it it sort of yeah. That's those are like kind of the questions I had coming out of this episode. Like, what kind of show <laughs> is this trying to be? Yeah, and I feel like one of the things, like, cause I, even though I do appreciate like diving a bit more into like this really cool like, environment, and I love the way that they brought Tatooine back. Can we just say that now? It was mm-hmm. amazing. That first shot is so good. It was so perfectly done. The mirror image of A New Hope, the first mm-hmm. scene in Star Wars. Um, it was cool to hear the words Mos Eisley again mm-hmm. in new Star Wars media. Mos Espa and- came up. Most experts that came up, yeah, definitely yep. for sure. The pit droids. I mean, everyone's talking about all the like the cantina. Who gives a shit about the cantina? Fuck the oh, cantina. Yeah. 
the pit droids is where it's at. Okay, pit droids were excellent. I spa- I paid special attention to them on my my newest rewatch, and I, they're actually amazing. <laughs> I I just I never thought I'd ever see Amy Sedaris playing like Sabak with pit droids, mm-hmm. and here it is, and it's perfect. It's everything I wanted it to be. Yep, and they're like swapping cards behind the table and stuff. Yeah, yep. <laughs> the cheat. And there's there's like a particular shot that like actually made me laugh when I think when Mando first lands and the pit droids sort of come at him and he like shoots at him to make yes. him go away. And then later in the episode when he comes off the ship, like a pit droid's standing next to him and just freaks out and immediately like retreats into its <laughs> like uh, as I guess dormant state. <laughs> and it just I was like, Oh, that's I like that. Yeah, and I I really like those elements and like like we said before, like the sort of the narrative idea of what happened after episode six with Tatooine. But when you distill that and like take that away and you have the core of the episode and we have to remember, like you said, this isn't a 28 episode season. It's eight episodes. And each of those episodes cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And if I, if you had to tell me what, what happened in this episode, like distill it to these basic points, it would probably be Amanda gets shot at, has to crash, uh, sorry, has to land, gets fixed at the auto repair, goes for a job, doesn't go well, he goes back, the end. Yeah. Like, nothing of note happens. Right. Um, It's, yeah, it's weird. It's weird trying to wrap your head around what, like, the story is. <laughs> yeah. Um because yeah, it's like and I think that the end is proof that there is something. Like the very end. Because yeah. you don't show that if that's not like like obviously that is important. Um so I don't we just don't know. Like I think that's the thing. Like of course have like positive negative reaction to this episode, but um it kind of can't be judged yet. Um, because we still need to see what exactly pays off from it. And hopefully that's like a good payoff <laughs> um, in these <laughs> last three episodes. Um, but yeah, there's, there's still something, there's still like stuff left to be said, um, which I guess helps the argument for it that it's not like this one-off dud, um, but it still remains to be kind of seen. I think I finally understood how my family and some friends feel about me in Star Wars when I saw the news articles, which were like, who is the man in the spurs? And I was like, <laughs> why is this news? Yeah. It's like, don't dedicate a whole article to that. Like, like could it be Boba Fett? He wore them once in the film. <laughs> like, no, that's not a theory. That's just <laughs> adding Look, stuff together. I'll be super honest. Just jumping to the end now. Mm. Um, like my first impression was, I thought it was the Mando. <laughs> like I thought he went back because um, he like he like takes off and then he could have flown over. I mean, he's got a cape. He like the the bottom of his costume is the same. Yeah. Um, but I was like, okay, I assume it's like just that was like instant reaction. But then like after thinking about, it, I was like, oh, okay, I'm I'm sure it's someone else, but. Yeah, it was. I, I don't know. I don't know how you write an article about that. 
I, I did laugh because in episode three of the show, I joked about introducing Boba Fett as the main villain mm. at the end of the season. And if they do make that happen, I was like, what, three episodes too early? Oh, too late? Mm. No, no, right. Three episodes too early. So I, don't, yeah, I just didn't know how to feel. I was like, I sort of laughed. I was like, this is silly. Mm. I feel like it, it's hinting at Boba Fett. But obviously, like what we know from the co- from the books, it can't be Boba Fett unless they do the douchebag thing of just been like, and then you stole it back. Yeah, I, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, it's interesting. Um, and you know, just one of those weird things. Um, should we just jump into the main sort of parts of the episode? Obviously, yeah, for the, sure. The cantina's back. Mm-hmm. With run less by weird droids. aliens, <laughs> yeah, run by droids this time. Oh <laughs> uh, man, that was that was a nice sort of twist on that. It, it, yeah, it's one of those weird things where, like, if you're a Star Wars fan, like that's the first thing that jumps into your head. It's like, oh shit, stuff stuff must have really gone down. They let droids work here now. Um, yeah, and they seem to be having fun. And uh, oh, I do like you know, how it's <laughs> I do like how it's the that droid from. Like the torture droid, like, yeah. not the same one, but like the the that model. It cracked me up. My head cannon is that it is the same one. He survived. I mean, it could be. You never know. If Salacious survived, I think she can survive. I feel like there were old, uh, um, sort of EU stories of like the Bomar monks, <laughs> like being stuck in Jabba's palace and being like, "Where is everyone?" <laughs> I guess we'll leave. <laughs> or if, I don't remember if they like just take over the palace or not. Um, oh my god, Todd Phillips is the hangover, but um, with Jabba's palace. Oh my god! <laughs> like what happened last night? I was when I was watching Return of the Jedi the other day. I think a lot about that new Doug they added into the shot when like everybody's asleep <laughs> except yeah. this one fucking Doug walking around. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, did he go? To, did he need a bathroom break? Like, did he run to the kitchen for a snack? It's like, what if he passed out? Everyone left. And he's like, where do? Yeah, where did everyone go? <laughs> well, the thing is that they were pretending. I don't to have sleep, a baby. Right? <laughs> I always assumed that they were pretending to sleep. So, like, is he like? Did you just not get the memo? Was he being a dick? Like, he's ruining the plan. Oh yeah. Like, shh, she's gonna open. She's gonna open on solo. Okay, but. Be quiet. Don't don't make a noise. And he's like, whatever. It's a bulba. Just be like, fuck you. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and there was a weird bug bug dude in the cantina. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, that's the major alien I saw. There wasn't too many crazy aliens. Just bug dude, mm-hmm. bug dude, and uh, <laughs> lame dash render. <laughs> so that's the thing with Toro, Toro Calican. It's like. A lot of people saying, oh, he could be Dash Rendar. I was like, well, Dash Rendar is supposed to be like a shitty version of Han Solo. Mm-hmm. Like the home brand, um, like the Home Depot version of Han Solo. Roller color. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Toro is like the, the lame version of Dash Rendar. Yeah, that's, you're not, if you're trying to compliment Dash by saying it could have been Toro, <laughs> you're not, you're not accomplishing that. <laughs> What did you think about his character? Um, yeah, again, he was one of those ones where on first watch I wasn't super sure like how I felt about him. Wasn't sure how I felt about the performance. But then watching it again, um I actually like I actually really 
kind of enjoyed both of these sort of new characters, him and him and Fennec. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about Fennec later um, mm-hmm. in greater depth. Um, but I enjoyed both of them as sort of entries um, in the story. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I, I think it. I think it was a. It's a good. Like it's a cool story. But again, it just comes back to that issue of like. How is this? How is this relevant <laughs> yeah. to like what's going on? Um, so like again, it's it felt like a comic, like he like a character in a comic where you can just sort of tell this one shot of of someone random, um, and I think the fact that that this isn't that it was I would say shouldn't be that kind of story. Um, I think we'll sort of forever have a like sort of a tinting on that on the character of Toro. Yeah, and I feel like, in a way, it, it for me, it felt a little bit rushed, his character development. Because mm. um, he did a really good job of him, like, at first being a bit cocky, and then him being more earnest in terms of, like, he really wants to get into the guild, and he just wants, you know, to get the best out of there. But then, as the episode progressed... It just felt a bit too rushed in terms of him doing that big twist. Mm-hmm. And I know it's supposed to be like, oh, the galaxy's a harsh place. But if it was that harsh, wouldn't you have been more comfortable just to go out by himself in the first place? Mm. Um, I know he feels a bit more comfortable once the Mando's helping him out, but um, I, yeah, I just don't know. It just felt a bit rushed in my opinion and I thought like you could do more of that character maybe if you made him like a long term sort of character maybe like the sort of apprentice of sorts mm-hmm. who like so then the actual twist feels a bit more harsher um, but, I, but I can see where they're going with it I know it's like don't trust anyone mm-hmm. uh, everyone in the galaxy is a shit <laughs> um, but yeah it just felt like predictable it's, Apart from it's the, very yeah, it's very tropey. Yeah, like it's, it's what you would expect out of a western kind of thing. Um, which I mean, again, is not not a bad story, but like, does it fit? Like, that's the question for me. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's not bad to use tropes all the time, but mm. like you said, it's like it's more of the word. Like, like we said, it's an eight episode season. Do we have enough room for this? Right. And I don't know if we do. Right. Because I'm just trying to think, like, it, the first three episodes do a really great job at putting a lot of information in. Um, and I'm kind of hoping we get the same for the last three episodes. But I just don't know how they're going to fill out all these different storylines. Like, you'd, you'd think they'd have to introduce the Imperial reg- like Regiment next week. Uh, I, mean, I feel like I feel like I've been I've been sort of definitely thinking that for the past few episodes now. So like, <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> Who knows when they're going to introduce these guys? I I'm kind of worried. I hope it's soon. I kind of I'm worried it's going to be like the last episode, and I'm like the Imperials are here. Okay, bang bang, they're dead. Mm-hmm. You you're you're kind of a bad guy. Turns out I'm not the bang bang. You're yeah. not you're not haunted anymore. Drops off the baby. Done. Season two. Um. I, yeah, I, I don't want it to be like that. 
but I'm worried it will be just by the pacing. And that's what I think. Yeah. Has I, feel like that, most. I feel like that's going to happen. Like it's going to have this sort of like epic finish and then it's like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, and again, like I, I'm not someone who like, I don't believe in the word filler. Um, like just as a writer myself, I refuse to believe anybody like spends the time to not accomplish anything. Yeah. Except waste time. Um, it's like, I don't believe in that, but like it is sort of, it does come down to like a plotting issue. And then, and you know, again, we have to sort of wait and see where, how this exactly fits into everything. And far be it from me to like express large amounts of doubt at John Favreau and Dave Filoni's sort of like storytelling prowess. Um, but like it just, it, it leaves questions again, going back to sort of like the overall vibe. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I love Dave, but I, I don't have as many qualms about jumping into the, <laughs> into my doubts. I feel like um, this episode had me worried a bit because obviously uh, Dave Filoni directed this episode and mm-hmm. also wrote the episode. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people didn't like the direction of the episode and there were some scenes I didn't particularly I wasn't really fond of them as much as the first episode. I felt like his first episode was really great. This one not so much. Mm-hmm. Um it's funny I saw some people reacting to the the speeder bike scene and were like, this is awesome. And I was like, for me the CG felt a bit choppy. Yeah, I thought even going back to the space battle at the beginning. Yeah. The dogfight kind of thing. This was like the most visually ambitious episode. And there were times that um, I feel like maybe, again, not to like discredit the work of ILM or anything, but like there were times where it just, this didn't feel, it felt like they were really pushing what they were able to do with their budget. Mm. Um, and yeah, the speeder bike for me was definitely a Like I still, I still got a kick out of it, but like it definitely showed. Um, and there were moments in the space battle that felt a little kind of like, like toys flying around. It yeah, and I feel like that's maybe like a lesson they've they can learn from the first season is that sometimes practical effects aren't always the best, and I don't I'm not sure what the the ratio of practical to CG effects for the ship is, but mm-hmm. it definitely felt weightier and slower and a bit off. And I know a lot of people said this, it felt like a fan film. Yeah, and I think the opening scene had the most George prequel George dialogue mm-hmm. in that it was very self-referential of other stuff and it it definitely felt like an 80s action show well do you see people like I don't know how to how much like to what degree this is a conspiracy <laughs> people are like <laughs> did George Lucas ghostwrite this episode <laughs> I did hit yeah I did which which is one of those things where I was like, this is so stupid. And then I was like, did he? <laughs> oh, yeah, who? <laughs> who knows? Because, yeah, it's one of those things where I was like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. He seems like the sort of person who would jump back to Tatooine, whereas maybe the others might not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be fun, I guess. I just felt like, yeah, like I, I don't keep mentioning this before, but... 
like you said, like with filler episodes, I don't mind filler episodes, and I know people don't like calling them filler episodes and such, but I feel like filler isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like when you have a reduced episode count, it's always better for the overall show. Um, like I watch stuff like The Flash, which has really struggled in the last few years with its filler episodes and like the mm-hmm. overall story. Like you, when you have twenty-two episodes, it's very hard to like introduce a villain and keep that threat going for twenty-two episodes. Whereas right, right. They sort of combated that by breaking it down into se- separate sections and different villains and stuff like that, which is really fun and a different way of tackling it. And I feel like for this show as well, it's like if you've got a filler episode, the main focus has to be character development mm-hmm. and i don't know what we learned about the mandalorian in this episode that we didn't already know which is not much yeah yeah apart from the fact that now he's a bit of a bad dad because he left poor little baby yodito <laughs> on right. the ship. yeah again like the only thing i can draw from it um as far as sort of like his character and his situation is yeah, like him maybe realizing he also can't take jobs and keep Yoda or keep baby Yoda. Um, that's like literally the only thing that I can even think of. Um, so if that like propels him towards like actually dealing with um, wherever, whatever the source of being hunted is, like Werner, Werner Herzog or whatever. Um, then that I guess that could be a good thing, but yeah, we don't like we don't really get any exposition about him or his backstory or anything. So yeah, like that's that's definitely one of the issues with it. Where if you're gonna have one of this one of these like sort of we can say like downtime episodes <laughs> in an in an eight episode season, <laughs> um, <laughs> then yeah, it's like it's it still didn't accomplish that much i guess that that's why it felt like a one-shot comic yeah um yeah which you don't which you again you don't expect in a in a season so short nor would you want to watch visually like it just like the, i was really impressed by the um the actual like the sets and everything it was really great recreational of a new hope mm-hmm. um so yeah, it was, it was more of an. It was nice to delve into the state of the galaxy, which is always fun to do in such as a, like a book, like a novel, or a different, like you said, one-off comic book. Uh, on TV show, I feel like it has to have a, a really great presence to the whole plot, which obviously it isn't. It's just like a, a pit stop <laughs> for mm-hmm. the Mandalorian. Um, as for his character development, I yeah, I do. It's interesting about the job stuff because he doesn't necessarily look for a job. It's like he already he already knows that he's fucked. Like he can't pick up a new job because he's not part of the guild anymore. So is it just like not learning to trust people as much as he does? But even then, he seems a bit you know wary of most people. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of it's yeah. It's a weird one. I think maybe in the again sort of <laughs> sort of like grasping at straws, but like maybe in the past he wouldn't have sort of interacted with an Amy Sedaris type character like he does in the end. Mm. Um, maybe that's like a, maybe that's some sort of growth for him where in the past, maybe he would just would have like blown someone off, but there was, there was like a, a little bit of connection. Um, especially when she calls him out for being a bad dad. 
um, so yeah, maybe maybe that's like a relationship he wouldn't have had with anyone had it not been for having a baby Yoda sort of make them interact more. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 not very tangible what you can like. You can't nail down exactly what he went through in this episode. And yeah, I, I, it's just a small things where it's like, I know he has to deal with certain things, but it was just like, do they, do they forget about what he's doing? I thought when he walked into the cantina and he saw the droid at the bar, I thought they were going to, because we, obviously as, you know, as the the viewers, we know that this is famous for the no droids allowed. And this is a character that is like been set up to be anti-droids. So I mm-hmm. thought there might be a bit of like, where's the human bartender or whatever. Yeah. Instead, it's not like, he's just like, hey, <laughs> how's it going? Um, right, right. <laughs> it's, it's just those small things where I was like, I know that he might be used to this now. Like, oh, well, it's not, there's nothing I can do. But I thought there'd be a little bit more development there. But yeah, it's just me. Yeah. Complaining. No, I mean, it makes sense. It's it's definitely one of the it's it's a critique that I think can't really hide from. Like sometimes sometimes you can blow off critiques and be like, ah, whatever, come on. Just have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> uh which definitely have a good time. <laughs> like um it's uh yeah, it's it's one of the things that made it probably the weakest you know, the weakest episode. And like I'm glad that if this was the first episode, <laughs> I would have been very terrified for the show. <laughs> yes. Um, so, like, getting it, you know, burying it in the middle, I think, you know, sort of forgives a few things. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, again, like I said before, I think the the majority of how we sort of perceive this episode, we won't know until the season's over. Yeah, I felt like... I know a lot of people are worried about Dave Filoni directing now, and I understand that. I feel like he did a better job of episode one, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's because the script wasn't his, mm-hmm. and he could step back a little bit. But I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I just feel. I like- mean, yeah, and like he doesn't—he didn't come up with this on his own. Like that's another thing. Yeah. Um, like they would have planned this whole story arc. And then he would he, either he would have been like, "Hey, I'll write this chunk of it," or Favreau will be like, "Would you like to write this chunk of it?" or whatever. Um, like this isn't like the season happened and then Dave Filoni's like, "I'm gonna create something totally different by myself." Um, like this has been like this is not all on his shoulders. I think like again as writer director, you get a lot of the you like you will shoulder a lot of that responsibility. But um, it isn't like uh, Dave Filoni went off in the wilderness by himself <laughs> to like, kind of craft this one episode and then come back and be like, okay, guys, we're shooting this. And everyone's like, this is a disaster. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> this, is, this, is all, you know, this has all been cooked up by the team. Yeah, no, I can see that for sure as well. I just feel like maybe, I guess we, we should just sort of ju- jump into the, sort of the main thing that I think we both wanted to talk about this episode, which was the Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand. And I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And she is so amazing on that show. Like, not only is she 
a badass in terms of being able to kick butt and like do these amazing stunts and show ferocity and like anger and like you know like all this and but she also has this range of emotions she's amazing she's this emotional heart and stuff she's such a great actress and then and also like a massive star wars fan mm-hmm. and seeing her posts over the years like of r2d2 and stuff was so cool and it was just like i knew she wanted to be in star wars so when it was announced she's gonna be in star wars i was overhyped maybe that's my fault i overhyped myself so when this story comes along I wasn't too pleased. And I know people are going to jump in and go, but she's not dead because at the end there's some boots. I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, one, shut up. Two, <laughs> two, like, you don't have Ming Na Wen and then you just do that, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, again, this all comes back to, like, what kind of show is it? Because, like, yeah. the, the, the turn of, Toro killing Fennec or allegedly whatever <laughs> um, hmm. that that betrayal or whatever even though it's not a betrayal um, like it's not from left field like that's like that's a story choice that makes sense in the context of this episode mm-hmm. um, but again it's like you you do this whole sort of song and dance you you know, Bresnikan gets to write an article about it and be like, oh, Fennec Shan's here. What, what? And it's like, oh, is is this like a thing? Or is or is this, again, character of the week kind of, oh, look who showed up. Ming-Na Wen this week kind of thing. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah, it's it's just weird. Um, like if I, w- I when he first shot her, I was very disappointed. Because again, yeah. like like you just said, she's amazing. She kills every line that she got in this episode, um, and every like literally everyone was ex- excited for her. She was excited. I remember even the Star Wars account was like, "Hell yeah, Fennec Shan!" And it's like, <laughs> it's like, man, for for ten minutes, and it's 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 kind of weird because it's like. Um, I listened, speaking of Anthony Bresnik, and I listened to the the podcast he's on for Vanity Fair, and he interviewed her during, or or he interviewed her, uh, and they played that interview during that episode. And um, of course, the interview was before, uh, I don't, maybe even before the Mandalorian like premiered. Um, but like she, she still sounded like totally jazzed. <laughs> um, like she didn't sound like she got shortchanged in any way, um, which is just kind of interesting to me. Because I guess if you were to ask me, "Hey, do you want to be in Star Wars for like five minutes?" I'd be like, "Yes, please, thank you, God." <laughs> uh, but she's like, she's like a very talented, accomplished actress. So like, I don't know if she would have that same sort of uh, feeling. But she, she, she seemed super thrilled about the role she played, and like that little bit for me makes it feel like there's something more. And then also and also the end the end is important of the episode because like it means her death if if she is dead, we'll we'll keep it all possibilities open, I suppose. Um if she is dead, it means that matters in some context. Um if she's not dead, then someone picked her up and something's going to happen. But like but yeah, it's 
it just kind of sucked uh, because it's it's missed potential, like terribly missed potential. Um, and I know like a lot of people, it it sort of re- like picked at a scab. A lot of people have um, mm. for especially you know there's a there's a certain uh, there are people who I guess have sort of long standing bones to pick with Filoni about these kind of things. Um, so it sort of picked at that again, but like, like for me again, in a vacuum of this episode, like that beat works, but it's within the context of everything, even our own world. It's, it's not great. Yeah. Like, and you know, her, you know, it's a personal, person of color character being, well, it's a woman of character woman of color character being shot by some random white dude and I know everyone's going keep it out of Star Wars I think it's important representation wise but also the fact that for me the thing that felt really weird and out of place and the thing the reason why I really can't shake my just taste of it is the idea that so the first shot we see her in this episode is via hologram and that whole setup of her being this assassin who's notorious for being amazing, um, working for the huts and all that jazz. So much so that the New Republic have had to try and crack down on her, and that's why she's on the run. Cool. Well, you've set her up in my mind as this amazing um, assassin. Mm-hmm. And so much so that this guy is like, there's no way I'm going to beat her. Like, so I'm screwed. Um and then we see here the whole sniper stuff, which was really awesome. She looks pretty cool. And the fight sequence is what I'm sort of used to with Ains of Shield. So it's really nice to see that. And I get the fact that she was handcuffed. But if she's supposed to be an amazing assassin, surely you can like deal with handcuffs or like, you know, get out of those situations. So the fact that she was easily dispatched by this like random dude who on his first job um felt very anticlimactic and very sort of upsetting. Um but I will say, and this is the Instagram post that uh, she posted after the episode was online. Uh, she wrote, seriously, how is my name sharing credit with the iconic Star Wars logo? I just can't make sense of it. But I am smiling and crying about it. Overwhelmed that Shannon, uh, Fennec Shand is born today. Thanks to the Mandalorian, I am now part of Star Wars. I was the little Chinese-American teenager who daydreamed all the time about living in the Star Wars universe. I preferred it to my I preferred it so much more to my hellish teenage days. As the Asian and white suburbia of Mount Lebanon PA, I felt like I didn't belong. Sure I had friends, but I was still that Chinese girl, the odd Chinese name who didn't fit in. Plus my parents worked long hours at the family restaurant, so I spent many hours by myself growing up. Star Wars changed that. I won't go into all the nerd reasons why, but those characters the world George Lucas created, the Force, they were ultra important to me. They made me feel like I was part of something. I belonged. I'm sure many of you felt that way too. And now Ming-Na Wen, my Chinese name, is now part of Star Wars. I'm glad I never changed it. It reps that little girl struggling with her identity and dreaming for something more. I remember I used to take turns fantasizing being Luke, Han, or Leia. I loved them all for different reasons. My imagination took me on so many adventures with them, and now, here I am as an adult, actually living out my childhood fantasies. I was on the very planet where Luke grew up. Tatooine. Insane. The craziest thing was I also got to work with Dave Filoni, who grew up in Mount Lebanon and even went to the same high school. We discovered that on set. It wasn't 
it doesn't get more full circle than this. By the way, Filoni wrote and directed the hell out of episode uh, chapter five. Bravo, go Blue Devils! <laughs> um, <laughs> and then yeah, it's like a little like wrap up to John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and George Lucas, and that really warmed my heart. And I really like you know, I think that's why it means a lot to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why yeah, like that's why I keep out some hope that I hope the character's not you know killed off. Right. Although, yeah. If, if like it just there's something like cooking, like it just feels like there's something more despite all the evidence on screen. Um and I hope, yeah, like again, after all that that post, like I I hope it is. Like I Star Wars has done weird things with people <laughs> being dead, right? Like <laughs> um like I feel like uh if if they want to be nebulous about it, they are. I mean, we just talked about Boba Fett crawling his ass out of the sunlight <laughs> <Sorry>, and <laughs> showing up at the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, no, I she deserves to have a longer role. Um, again, it's like it comes down to like, is it the kind of show where you can just sort of be like, hey, want to be on Star Wars for ten minutes, or is it the kind of show where it's like we're gonna use you and you're gonna be an important role throughout this story? Um, like that that's a big question coming out of what happened with Fennec Shand. Like that's something I, I thought about. Cause it was like Yeah, like it it makes sense if that's the pitch. If the pitch is like, hey, you know, week to week we're gonna you know, sort of round up talent and be like, Hey, you know, we got a cool character that needs to serve a very specific purpose, uh, wanna play it. Um, but that's not how it felt when they introduced her as joining the cast. Um, so I feel like that's why it's like sort of especially jarring, um, for, for what happened. And again, why I just super hope it's not the end of Fennec in, in this story because she's awesome in every way and like not to get too horny on main, but like Star Wars is doing a good job with just like evil or not evil, but like dangerous women who I want to kill me. (laughs) Yeah, step on my neck. <laughs> yes, um, with Nick and the and the second sister, it's been it's been a ride. <laughs> and and then of course we still have Dark Ray. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I hope I just I really hope there's more for her to do, because again, like like that post just illustrated, like this meant a lot. So like for it to to for it to have meant that much, and she knows that she was only in it for like. A split second, um, like just imagine if they actually give her like a genuine role. You um, hope so, right? Yeah, like I, yeah, I, I hope so. Again, it'll be, it'll be extremely disappointing, and um, again, like, uh, just not great that she had to die to to like grow another character. Who then yeah. died <laughs> two minutes later, <laughs> um, which which just sort of like feeds that cycle of like what exactly was the point of this episode? Um, so yeah, I mean, again, the end gives me hope that there's something, but I I just don't know what it could be. Um, so again, it it all it all just kind of goes back to we'll have to see what happens. I've never wanted to like hit that next episode so much. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, 
yeah, to wrap up that little thought, I feel like when you talked about the whole special guest thing, like the classic, you know, um, I think someone said it's Bonanza in space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, with the Clone Wars and Rebels and Resistance, there's a difference when you have guest stars on that because it's animated and you, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. In terms of live action Star Wars, I can't help shake the feeling that, like, I just don't know if it will fit the same way. I don't think a special guest every week, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that Western trope will work with Star Wars. And I don't know about you, but it did remind me of one of a Star Wars property. And that is the holiday special. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. this week has B. Arthur as the, the, the waitress. Right. It, it just felt, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's not something you expect from a eight episode arc. Like even, even if it was live action and like 22 episodes, I feel like it would make a little more sense mm. because then, yeah, you get that, you get that sort of time where you need to sort of take a step back. The The main thrust of the plot can't propel through, you know, episode 15 or whatever. Um, and you and you need that sort of like oh hey look who look who showed up to sort of play this sort of little character, um, but yeah in an eight episode arc you don't expect it which is why it, it it just yeah which is why it all doesn't seem to like fit in the puzzle together. Exactly, I want to refer to the episodes for the plot reasons, not the character like the guest appearances. Mm-hmm. Like for example, the Mandalorian uh, goes back for the baby as opposed to. This is the one where Bill Burr's in it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and like that's how it feels. I mean, dude, how much has Gina Carano been hyped? I know. And like she feels like a guest appearance. Like, we know she's coming back into the story. But like mm. but like again, six or five episodes and she's only been in one. So like I think again, it's uh it sort of does sort of make you think about how it's been plotted because it it feels like it's coming towards this big, meaningful sort of ending. But like, did we really have to do, did we really have to pace it this way? Um, at least like the past two or three, ep- two or three episodes. I don't know. I felt like, I felt like one through three was pretty like locked in solid. Yeah. And then um, four was like still pretty, like pretty on track, but like had definitely drifted from that. Um, and then this one is kind of like, you know, we are where we are. Um, <laughs> and then I think even the next episode, I'm not sure. I think there has been some sort of like very basic plot. I think next one is the Bilber episode. Okay. Like with, with the, and the, what's her name? Uh, Tonks. <laughs> Natalia Tena, I think is. Yeah. Um, so she's, uh, I think she's in that too. So, but I, again, we don't know. Is that going to link into the story? Is it going to pick up from this? Who exactly is the gunslinger? Is it the dude at the end <laughs> or person at the end walking up to Fennec's body? Really don't know. Um, so yeah, that's it's just yeah questions. Questions came from this episode, um, which again, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's good to it's good to like be, you know, sort of thinking about these things and. Um, engaging in a in a sort of I won't say like critical but like engaging 
instead of just nice. sort of like yeah. they're sort of just turning on the TV, watching it, and forgetting about it. It's it's like yeah. it's it's good to be discussing it and people to be um, like honestly thinking of, or honestly like talking about how they react to things. That's when you know, like that's when you know you've done something right. <laughs> like, exactly. When people are uh, when people are actually having a reaction and not like okay that was that was fine next episode i'll wait for a week um so yeah the show's the show's still successful in that regard i've not remotely lost investment in in what it's doing um but it it did leave questions episode five well there we go um why don't we just combine our two segments into one because obviously it's just us two this week um so nikki what was your favorite moment from the episode and what rating would you give it out of 10 beskar this week um i I still feel i still feel like i'm very bad at rating things um (laughs) so i mean i'll give it a i'll give it like a if i'm feeling when I feel more negative, I'll give it a six point five. When I'm feeling a little better, I'll give it a seven. Because um, it is, it is still new Star Wars. It's still like exciting to watch. I, I won't ever shake that enthusiasm, um, which will always keep it sort of high for me. Um, as far as favorite part, uh, I, I there are a few things I really like liked. Um, and surprise, surprise, they involve Baby Yoda. I loved his little car seat strap in <laughs> uh, that the Mando set up so he can like spin around and do all sorts of things. And uh, Baby Yoda will stay in place and not fly all over the cockpit of the Razor <laughs> Crest. Um, I really like that. Just little moments when, when Baby Yoda first walks down the plank and he, or the, the boarding ramp and he's like, Oh, what's going on here? Why am I so tired and confused? <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> yep. And then um I liked there were there were parts of like Amy Sedaris's character who we, we didn't talk too much about. There were parts of her I I liked. Um I still thought maybe some things were a little kinda like McClunky about it. McClunky. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And uh and then Fennec in general. I liked her design, I liked her vibe. Um, it's it's why I I want so much of. It's why I want her so much to be in it still. Um, but yeah, those are those are definitely the positives for me. But I think in general it was sort of the probably the weakest one so far. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll go six point five seven, six point eight. <laughs> <laughs> Final answer. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, cool. Yeah, Fennec is one of those characters which I would have picked the action figure up for. Mm-hmm. Although, knowing in real life, yeah, that'd be impossible. Get <laughs> the um, a, r- a random Mando number six. Yay! But you can't get Armourer or, you know, Fennec. Um, my favourite moment would have to be... It's, it's, it's a mixture of the cantina scene, just mm-hmm. because it's such a cool moment to be introduced to that famous actually no see the <laughs> I go back and forth I do like the references I think the opening shot where it's revealed about Tatooine not the explosion which I felt was a bit cheesy and the line was a bit you know but the actual just the 
the shot where it reveals Tatooine exactly like a new hope was really mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but overall, I will have to go with the pit droids. Anything with the pit droids in made me extremely happy. I love those little fuckers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're just so funny. I think something else worth mentioning is, uh, we, you know, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but the, the scene with the Tuscans um, was oh, really cool. Yeah. And I think uh, as it's been sort of revealed, the, the guy who played the like sort of main communicating Tuscan was a deaf actor. So mm. that was kind of cool to like, you know, it's first sort of like a big role for, or, not a big role, but like it's cool to have a, a deaf actor sort of come into the Star Wars universe as well and, and play a part. Yeah, I really like, obviously, like you said, the representation there in terms of the actors. But also, the I, I really found a new appreciation for the character of the Mandalorian mm-hmm. in the way that he tells the guy who's like shrugging off the Tuscans as, you know, just these horrible creatures that live in the desert he's like no this is their planet we're right. the intruders i felt that was really really great and you know makes you think about okay, full circle clear glass is a piece of shit <laughs> and, and it was a great uh <laughs> it was a, <laughs> well yes of course and also um it was it was a great juxtaposition of how he treated the jawas <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> where he's fire on sight, disintegration <laughs> kind of shit. Um, so it goes to show that he he's not just a a shoot first kind of person. Which again, um, I guess we were talking earlier about what do we learn from the character. I guess this this sort of stuff helped reinforce the idea that he's not just what I think a lot of people may have feared pre the the show coming in because um, it was like. Uh, you know, oh, is he just this sort of like stone cold killer kind of guy who's not yeah. very interesting? Whereas now it's like, oh yeah, so he'll, you know, he'll get in the mud and fight people, but also like we'll know when to, um, you know, know the the tricks of the galaxy and know that people aren't all just about sort of killing and it's not all violent if it doesn't have to be kind of thing. And also respect of people's fucking land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mandalorian's here to protect your rights, and I like that. Indeed. Uh, well, what would you rate it? Oh, my rating would be six point five. There we go. We're about in line then. Yeah, like not terrible at all. Not at all. It's the it's it's the least. I think it's the it's the worst episode out of the bunch. By worst, I mean just by nature of comparing to the other episodes, which we mostly enjoyed. Someone's got to be at the bottom. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I felt like Dave's first episode was far better than this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of his live action uh, portfolio, I mixed at the minute. Um, I think the other, the other directors did the better job overall. But I'll be mm-hmm. interested to see how they compare when we see, obviously... Um, Rick and Deborah's second episodes each. Right. Maybe there's like a drop off point. I don't know. You never know. Um, yeah. And then once the season's finished, we give it, it give us sort of a better idea of how that looks overall. For sure. And like, I think another another thing that's like important with this show, because it is the first of its kind kind of thing. Um, for for Star Wars, certainly, like there's going to be trial and error, and like we're not like 
as or their them as creators are sort of not gonna know what works exactly until it's already out there. Um so I mean it's just it's another thing. It's like yeah, definitely like express how you feel um with these episodes, but also like be willing to let it grow kind of thing. Yeah. Um well I think that's all we've got time for this week. Um unless you got any other things you want to drop off? Um no, I don't think so. I think again, I just if if you take nothing else away from this, <laughs> my feeling my feeling is I gotta see what's next before I really like yeah. know how to properly um dissect this one. So I'm just excited for the next episode, excited to see how this whole arc ends and then um also shove a little bit of Rise of Skywalker in between all this. Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> delicious. Um, yeah, well, that's all we've got time for this week. If you want to catch up with us, don't forget to check out our website, imperialsenatepodcast.com. If you have any questions about this episode of The Mandalorian, please do send us some questions in. We want to answer all your crazy thoughts and theories about the episode of the latest episode of The Mandalorian, which will be for us, um, well, we're recording this on the 12th. Next episode comes out tomorrow on the 13th. So you've got a decent amount of time for us to you know catch up on that. And we'll answer them on our next episode. Just email us at imperialsonnetpodcast at gmail.com and we'll get to those emails. Um, if you'd like to help support the show, you can do so by picking up some sweet swag from tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash the Imperial Podcast, or by becoming a patron on our Patreon page. And if you haven't had enough of us and our anti-Kleague Lars uh, <laughs> propaganda, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at ImpSenatePod or on Facebook by searching the Imperial Senate Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully all three of us will be here. The Force will be with you, always. Bye. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs>